The Vincast, Australia's premier podcast about wine, wine culture and wine people, is proudly supported by Different Drop. Different Drop is an online wine retailer based up in Sydney that's a little bit different to your average wine shop. Uh, they pride themselves on sourcing very small producers who are working in a, in a very innovative or unique way uh, and putting them together in a way that um, is exciting for the consumer. So you can go to the website differentdrop.com. You can put your own kind of mixed pack together or, you know, there are already some mixed packs ready to be ordered uh, and they can ship them to you anywhere around Australia in, uh, in only a few days. Uh, you can help support the podcast by uh, going to differentdrop.com and when you make your first purchase over $100, if you put in the voucher code VINCASTVINO, the guys from Different Drop will actually give you $25 off. And you can actually find a lot of the guests that I've had on the podcast, you can find their wines on that website. So if you enjoyed the episode, why not buy some of the wine and help support the uh, the producer as well and help help thank my guests for their generous time. Different Trop is uh, changing the way people buy wine. On this episode 54 of The Vincast, I chat with Tom Belford, one half of Bobar Wines, uh, based in the Yarra Valley. We talk a little bit about his background and, uh, and how they're reimagining the way people make wine in the Yarra Valley. I've also got a special question for you at the end of the episode, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Vincast. My name is James Gersbrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino, and thank you very much for tuning in. Really exciting guest I've got for this episode. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone thinks. Um, I'm sure people will be somewhat familiar with uh, with the wines because they've got a bit of a cult following here in Australia, but um, really interesting chat uh, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, of course, it's great to hear from people, um, whether it's on social media or um, or even in real life. Um, and I'm really excited because um, I've got really lots of people coming up to me and saying how much they enjoy the podcast and in you know wanting to be on the show itself so um exciting times ahead uh, and um obviously i really appreciate everyone listening and uh, enjoying the show and, and letting me know about it now i uh, i don't actually have uh, an ask the wino question this week uh, again um guys if if there's something that you'd like answered on the show um or for me to chat about even if you want me to chat about it with a guest uh let me know just use the hashtag ask the wino um on facebook twitter instagram wherever um because i'd love to hear from you uh also people you didn't you didn't tell me who your favorite wa producer is um you know Again, I'll ask the question at the end of the episode, um, so stay tuned for that. And uh, you know, I'd love to hear your answers, uh, and you can actually hear your responses read out on the podcast. So as I mentioned, exciting guest for this week, Tom Belford. Um, he is uh, one half of Bobar Wines um, with his wife, Sally, uh, and they are probably making one of the most exciting Syrah wines in Australia at the moment. Uh, very, very different to, um, to your average Australian Syrah. So uh, I'd love to chat with him, and um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll see you on the other side. 
Tom, welcome to, uh, in fact, uh, the new, I guess, um, Vincast studio. Uh, thanks for making the trek in from the Yarra Valley uh, today, and uh, and welcome to the Vincast. My pleasure. So tell me, uh, I, I typically, you know, as listeners would know, I ask uh, where, um, where, what was the first interaction with wine for you that sort of set you on the path of uh, of, of a passion and career, that kind of thing. I grew up in Yarra Valley, in Yarra Glen. In fact, in the in the same house I now live in. And the uh, house that I visited with my friend Yakupor and Laura. Yeah, yeah. Back in January. Yep, that that house. And I worked as a teenager in vineyards, uh, just doing doing the summer work usually over those long summer holidays, six weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was a you know, lots of vineyards being planted at the time, and I got work banging nails into posts and running an irrigation line and swimming in dams and, you know, getting sunburnt. Were you passionate about it though? No, no. Look, it was just, it was work. It was work. And, and I really enjoyed it because it was with, you know, lots, lots of other, uh, other young folk and, and we, we had a ball out there in the big Money hands. in the pocket. Money in the pocket, yeah. And then I finished high school, finished high school and was that a bit of a, I'd got into university course and wasn't necessarily, it was a science course and yeah, it was along the lines of what I was interested in, but I wasn't, I wasn't absolutely dead certain. And Did you have a bit of a science focus back at school? Yeah. 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 That was not my kind of, but it was probably a bit more sort of natural sciences. I didn't, I didn't necessarily do, I, lo- I love pure sciences from a, from a, just from an interesting point of view. Sure. But I couldn't say myself, I was definitely not going to pursue a career as, as, a, as a chemist or a physicist or something. This wasn't, it just wasn't my interest. Yeah. Um, I'd read a book about it, but I wouldn't do it. And what? I got full-time work in, I deferred my university course and, and ultimately ended up with um, more work in vineyards and that was kind of just drifting along. And Wool work? Sorry, no, more, more work in... More work, sorry. More work, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wool work. Yeah, sorting wool, uh, jackarooing. No, I was more work in vineyards and the summer sort of started to turn to autumn and I ultimately ended up working at Yarra Ridge Winery yep. for vintage. I was working in the vineyard at Yarra Ridge mm-hmm. and they, I was simply told to start in the winery like on Monday morning, just next Monday morning, start in the winery. Yeah. And I was actually going to be working vintage. I didn't, I just wanted an extra couple of hands for vintage. Sure. And look, I had so much fun. All my friends were off at university and drinking $2 pots. And I was suddenly working with folk from all around the world, driving forklifts, working in the middle of the night, drinking beer as well. And, it was just, I just had the most fabulous time and I just, suddenly I was just like, I was thrust into the adult world mm-hmm. and this fun world and yeah, there was a bit of science there, but it was just heaps and heaps of hard work and fun more than anything. And uh, I'd never, I was working long vintage hours and I'd never seen money like it. And then I guess I kind of fell in love with the work of it. I just sort of thought this is, this is a lot of fun. I was mm-hmm. having a lot of fun. And it was, and that was 1997 and about exactly at that point in time, Yarra Valley had come off the 96 vintage. Yeah. The 1996 vintage, which was a cold vintage and made some outstanding Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs. Well, I certainly know, um, you know, when I was working at Domaine Chandon, 96 was considered a, a great year for sparkling base. Yeah. And it was a disastrous year for, uh, I'm sure there was good Cabernets made, but, but it was certainly... From the Valley Flora, I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess, the, you know, you name the likely suspects and they probably make good wines. But what are... Slightly really... more elegant expressions, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there were some herbaceous and even rotten. <laughs> <laughs> the stories were that it was a bit rotten vintage as well. Yeah. And um, 
But I just remember a few. There was a couple, there was a one or two that I remember that just really caught my imagination. That I mm. sort of suddenly saw, as well as hanging out with wine folk, hanging out with winemakers, and listening to them talk about it. And then I was able to taste these wines, and I could the work I'd done over in, in all the summers preceding in the vineyards. And you just I kind of got that little glimmer of 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 these wines had come from this place and this. And particularly with one wine, '96 Yarridge Reserve Pinot, and it just kind of, it just sparked a thing in me. And I think at that point I was fascinated, and I was going to be working wine. And then that that was it. But then from that one on, I've never I've never not worked in vineyards or wineries. So you grew up essentially in a wine region, and I guess one of the the better known wine regions in Australia, in the Yarra Valley. What did your parents do? Uh, they'd come to the Yarra Valley with thoroughbred horses, thoroughbred horse breeding. Okay. That's what my dad was. Sure. Um, and I think like you have, like it happens, you know, they, they had a family and they So it was been, sort of an agricultural. Yeah. And they certainly, they, they liked wine. It was respected, but it wasn't, we, we didn't, we weren't a wine loving household. And, uh, there was, you know, there was always a bag in box in the, in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it wasn't that kind of, you know, having wine with food. It's like, oh, we have to pick the right wine. It's just sort of like, no, no, the no. There. The wine was there. Yeah, we'll wine was there. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, exactly right. And um, and I kind of, and and they come to an area. Look, the viticulture wasn't a big thing in the seventies when they came to the Yarra Valley. And I guess that they kind of just settled in the Yarra Valley as their mm-hmm. kids started to grow up and ended up in high school. And you just that's like what happens. People set, put down roots, and they put down roots in the Yarra Valley. Mm. And I we just we were just. I was there, and I guess the timing was that I was as I, as as I became like a teenager, the vineyards really started to. Rock. Yeah, did you did you sort of feel that like as in your I guess early teens and then late teens and the, in the nineties, as the Yarra Valley got further developed, you know, as big players like for example Domaine Chandon, De Bordeli, and and then the bigger wine companies started to establish businesses in the Yarra Valley or at least vineyards to to blend with other stuff. Was there a, a kind of a feeling that, oh, wine is becoming a much more serious thing in the Yarra Valley? It's much bigger. There's lots of jobs going around. Is that kind of, oh, was t- it because of that, like in terms of, you know, establishing vineyards, that initial work as a teenager, because of that big development? Yeah, w- without question. I mean, I was amongst the, I was going, to, I was working with people I'd been to primary school with. Mm-hmm. And it was a big group of us, you know, we'd all, it was this kind of, and it was a sense of a boom. There really was. We were all going banging off to university. And it was a similar situation with them. None of them really necessarily came from wine family. No, no, um, not not at all. Absolutely, we would like we would have gone on to become who knows what. Probably many of us would have. I would have left town. You know, I would have gone somewhere else. And I would have moved to Melbourne and done something different. Well, yeah, because Yarra Valley is quite interesting. It's it's less than an hour, um, certainly now from Melbourne. It's it, it is it's country, but it's not country country if that makes sense yeah (laughs) there isn't that kind of isolation you know it's not difficult to to you know get down to lilydale and then jump on a train all the way to the city for example as even as a teenager yeah i I was essentially grew up in the suburbs sure yeah it's just it's a pretend country but which i guess you know i would think that coming you know being further away from a big city like melbourne being well out in the country Opportunities are somewhat limited, and, and so definitely an agricultural kind of pursuit is is much more expected. Whereas, you know, you through I guess almost accidentally in terms of that work, and then getting the the gig at Yarra Ridge led you on that path. Whereas you could have, as you said, kind of become a, a scientist in some in some way. Yeah, or something completely different. Exactly. You just kind of head off down a 
down a different avenue. And I, yeah, it was sort of, there was no actual particular sense of me having a, I think my parents would have, my dad always had a thing for like going, he kind of, I think in hindsight, actively encouraged me gently to get work in the vineyards. I think he could see it as a, as a good thing. It was an interesting thing to do. It was, yeah. it, it was fascinating actually. It was it probably endlessly interesting and it was, um, it certainly had a sense of a, this is going to be something. Mm. This is not. Um, this, this is not ostriches. Um, and so, what were the, the what was your first uh, vintage experience like? Did you did you enjoy the you know obviously longer hours and as you said working at nights was that kind of a, quite an eye opening experience about yeah, the realities was, of, yeah, of yeah. of working in a winery? Absolutely, I definitely. I'd, I'd come of age. We were. I was working with. Oh, it was crew from Chile. There was a, there was a guy we called Chile because he was from Chile, and there was a guy from the UK and. I don't know. I, I just remember it just being like it was like it was eye opening. It was it was the real world. I've mm. gone from high school to and in my own. And with some of these guys, had, had they worked vintages in a lot of other places as yeah. well, or they, or they weren't sort of rookies like you? <laughs> no, no, no. I remember this. Yeah, this guy from UK, and he worked for a big. Um, look, I can't remember who it was now, but you know, like a big stately UK wine in, in the wine trade. Oh, okay. Like importing Bordeaux and majestic, or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It was those sort of ancient sounding companies. And, yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, who had an office in Bordeaux, for example. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they'd been around since the 18th century or something. And it, was, oh, it just yeah. sort of yeah. I mean, that, he seemed to know everything about wine in the entire world to me. Sure. I remember him dipping a hand into a tank and having a sip from his hand because we were sort of trying to work out what tank, which one, what are we doing here, is this the right tank? And he remember him saying, well, it's a cabernet of some sort. And I was just amazed that you could <laughs> dip your hand into a tank and know that it was cabernet. So obviously, you know, as any winemaker or anyone in the industry knows, you know, um, wineries exist off beer. But um, uh, what what were some of the, the wines you started to taste apart from Yarra Ridge or Yarra Valley stuff that, started to open your eyes a little bit more early on um i kind of got right into i, I really quickly got into like started drinking pretty widely mm-hmm. but pretty commercially like you don't really know i didn't know much about anything and i'm Just glad sort of what's successful i guess yeah and in, in, in hindsight i'm really glad that i did it like i, was, I remember going to liquor land and yeah and, like, and, and and selecting stuff off the shelf like it was the most fascinating thing on earth and i started in liquor land so yeah. i had you know similar kind of you get to know the, the, the big name stuff. You go, okay, cool. You work out the varieties and you work at the regions and then you start, you know, noticing eventually, you yeah. know, site-specific and producer nuances and stuff like that. Yeah, it was, it's a long kind of a path, really. But mm. Claire Riesling, I remember being a thing. I remember loving Claire Riesling. Yeah. And Hunter Valley Semillon. Okay. And that was sort of, I guess they're wines I... Early wines that kind of caught my imagination, particularly Hunter Semillon. And I remember we used to get wine allowance off Muldara. We were owned by Muldara, which was owned by Muldara Blass. And sure. We used to every month we could get a case of wine. Yeah, it was yeah. an enormous portfolio of, and I think they owned uh, Rothbury Estate. Oh wow! And so I was we were getting Rothbury Estate Semillons. Lots, lots of lots of wine to to get. Um, did you have any kind of mentors early on who sort of? Would you slip your bottle and say, oh, try this, Tom, try this, you know, what do you think of this kind of thing? Um, I can't remember anyone specific, to be honest. It was just sort of a... Yeah, I remember looking up a, to people. I, I, was essentially, I was essentially vineyard-based as well. I, I worked in vineyards. I, mm-hmm. did do, I, do, I worked in the, wine, in, in the winery and vintage, usually. Mm-hmm. But I, I worked in vineyards and um, that, was, that was what my work was. And up until uh, 10 years ago, that's all, that's all I did. Sure. 
Um, I, I mean, I generally I generally work vintage because I love it in, in, in the winery when mm-hmm. you sell it, but mm-hmm. I was vineyard-based, so essentially farming-based. That was my kind of – in many ways, when I talk about sort of pursuing science or something, I did really want to become a farmer. And yeah. Great well, – so grape farming was, was a thing to do. Yeah. Um, so out in the vineyard, look, you don't – wine isn't such a big thing. So, yeah, well, I, in fact, you know, my um, guest a few weeks ago, Tess Brown – you know, she had a similar experience as as a viticulturalist, as a vineyard. She said, "Yeah, we didn't really drink as much. It's not like the you know all the winemaking students, you know, at Charles Sturt getting together and it's like opening a whole bunch of bottles. We tended not to do that as much. So no, no, it, and it's not something spoken about as much. I mean, but I was with um, people, Marcus Satchel and Rob Hall. Uh, I went to a university with and worked with uh, Paul Bridgman, mm-hmm. and they were, I guess, they were people kind of I looked to as they they seem to know an enormous amount." Because they were working in, they were working cellar hands sure. and junior winemakers sure. at the same place I was. And so I kind of, I remember sort of feeding off them a little bit, but mm-hmm. something that I probably pursued on my own a little bit. I don't, I can't, I can't, I, can't, I do, I don't remember a specific mentor at that early stage. Right. Um, oh, actually, no, I do. Ian McLean at Yarra Yarra Vineyards. I used to work on the weekends. Oh, wow. Up at Yarra Yarra, um, in the vineyard, like pulling out canes and, Burning piles of canes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I really remember. Uh, that's where I was when Princess died. Died actually. Yeah. Um, oh wow. <laughs> um, but he sort of fed me Yarra Valley Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned studies. When did the when did the study start? Uh, ninety eight. 1998, I started a viticulture degree. Okay. At Charles Sturt. Yeah. Okay. So were you doing that by correspondence? Yeah. 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 Did you find that challenging? Uh Yes, no. I mean, I guess in the early, I was quite young. I had plenty of time. <laughs> in the early part of that degree, no. Like, it would seem to be, um, I studied quite a lot and it was, you know, it was a lark and there was always information and you're young and you're a sponge and you just kind of love it and it all seems so important. Yeah. Um, but in, in, at Charles Sturt, I met, met Sally. Mm-hmm who's my wife and, and who I do Boba, um, Boba, who's the, the other half of Boba. And by the time we finished that degree, we were married and had one kid and one on the way. So the, and I, the, the, the last half of that... It how, got, did it, how long did the degree take? It took seven years. Right, so okay. It took seven I was going to say, it's like, <laughs> were you like 20, 22? Yeah, oh yeah, it was, I was relatively young. But, <laughs> but the, the degree, the study got a lot harder right. as the years went on. It's just that tyranny of distance and time, time life, life gets busier. And Yeah, in fact, um, Evo... It said he had similar experience. It took him years to finish his degree. <laughs> we managed to only lose a year in the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> the last, that last semester or two, holy moly, staying up to this crazy smashing out assignments in two days. And yeah. Well, that's the story of my entire yeah, 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 yeah. career. <laughs> Always leave <laughs> yeah. at the last minute. Um, so where, where was, was Sally also from the Yarra Valley? Or where did you meet Sally? Uh, she grew up in Brisbane. Okay. And uh, I somehow... God, she started to head south from Brisbane and went to uh, was it New England in New, northern New South Wales. Uh-huh. The cool, a cool part of New South Wales, a little bit inland, sort of inland from Byron Bay. And cool as in groovy or cool as in Cool climate? as in cold. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, and I think it was quite isolated, pretty uncool actually, I think. And I don't know, somehow along the way she got kind of, she just got obsessed with the idea of cool climate viticulture. Mm-hmm. And it enrolled in the course, I think. I don't quite know the sequence of events, actually. 
And then ultimately ended up not in Yass, mm. so not far from Canberra, mm-hmm. and working in Hilltops area. And um, she might have done some work in Murray Bateman. I think that was, might have been a friend. I can't remember the exact. And she ended up working in a vineyard in uh, Jugiong. So sort of, I don't know what region it would be, Hilltops or mm-hmm. um, sort of closest to Gundagai. But was she studying externally as well and you yep. just met like yep. residential school type stuff? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. We all res, res schools. Yeah. And, um, so was it a long distance relationship initially? Uh, sort of. No, not, not entirely. We took, you know, it took a few years to um, absolutely crystallize. But yeah. she was progressively moved further south and yeah, yeah. she was in Heathcote and ultimately moved to the Yarra Valley. Right. And it was probably when she was living in Yarra Valley, I think, when... It all went click. It became official. It became official, yeah. <laughs> uh, and how long... Stepped how, outside of red schools. So. <laughs> how, how, how long did you end up staying at Yarra Ridge? I worked there and left there in 2000. Right, okay. And uh, so I did sort of four, approximately four years there, full-time vineyard work. Mm-hmm. Worked a few vintages and then did a bit of flapping around, a bit of vineyard work around the, around the valley and... Um, for another year or two, and then headed off to Macedon Rangers. We um, worked at, well, we went to Lancefield. Yeah. I worked at Curly Flat Vineyard. Yeah. So I worked at another little vineyard in Lancefield. Mm-hmm. And we spent a couple of years in Lancefield. Certainly chasing the cool climate there. Yeah, yeah, it was cold. It was cold. And it was really windy too. So. But again, not not far from Melbourne. No. In fact, even closer than Yarra Valley. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty quick. It's pretty yeah. quick. It's a straight. It's an easier drive because there's no houses. Mm-hmm. It's just you get onto the calder and fly down, and you don't really. It's not like with that. Not that urban sprawl out, out the east. Is out towards the Yarra Valley. There's, mm. there's houses essentially all the way, suburbs all the way. But so you and Sally both sort of have more of that viticultural focused early on. How did you kind of get more experience as far as the winemaking, just working vintage at different places? Did you go and work overseas at all? Um, hadn't at that stage. No, we moved back to the after the Lancefield experience. We sort of we're going to get, we'll, we'll head back home mm-hmm. just before the winter, just before we go through another one of these. Well, your home at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we head back to the area, exactly right, back to, back to, back to my home. And, uh, and we'll get out of this place before it gets super cold again. And... Came back to the Yarra Valley, and I sort of at that point went, "Okay, I really want to make wine." This viticulture has been, I guess, in many ways, directed entirely towards it's. Wine has been always been the focus, Mm. but because of that delineation in Australia between vineyards and wineries, Mm -hmm. I'm not working in vineyards. I'm simply not going to get the skills and learn the stuff and hang out with the people that I really want to in order to learn what I really want to, which is. Had a craft wine, yeah, and uh, and we moved back to the Yarra Valley, and I was been looking for a job, um, any job really, as a seller hand, mm. and I figured, well, I don't, I don't think there was any real um, theory to it. Take the first job you come across, and walked into, ended up at the Bordelies. The Bordelies had a seller hand position going, mm. and um, I didn't realise how good it was going to be, and started working there, and actually, I guess, chanced it for a really exciting. A really exciting group of people and a really exciting time, and I've spent three years at the Bordelies as a seller hand. Mm. Well, certainly, um, you know, there's some pretty amazing names who who um, you know were at the Bordley back, certainly back in those days. You know, obviously former guest uh, Bill Downey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I can imagine, particularly in terms of access to different sites in the Yarra Valley, it must have been pretty fantastic to sort of be playing around in the cellars with, you know, different parcels of Pinot and Chardonnay. Yeah, and seeing how they went about it and the general philosophy. There was a, 
think they were throwing a lot of things around at the time. Like they were really turning up. They were trying out a lot of diff, diff, just different, almost simpler ways to make wine. Um, and I, I just uh, learned. Do you mean like when you say simpler? Do you mean like a, a less is more approach? Less is more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Look, um, they were working hard in the vineyards as well. Working on these, but they had some really beautiful vineyards. Yeah. At the the Dixon's Creek property's got some beautiful blocks. Yeah. Um, and they'd always make great wines off them. Uh, there was stuff coming out of the Upper Yarra. They started doing the gear with fire. Yeah. Uh, and it was just some people, Bill, uh, Bill Downey was doing his thing and Paul Bridgman uh, was doing his Shiraz mm-hmm. project. And I just I just sort of chanced it. I just got lucky for a time when there was a lot of people, they were, they were learning hard and fast and drinking great wine. And but, but, you know, we're talking about the real boom, um, particularly, you know, as, you know, cooler climate, wines really started to come into favor a lot more and in terms of premium and people were happy to pay for for good quality wine and so you know the the opportunities were there uh, you know there was a real dream period i guess to sort of be learning uh you know all about wine and and learning about the yarra valley as well yeah i probably didn't realize at the time in many respects i mean i was just dragging hose around and 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 pumping wine Mm. from one tank to another Mm -hmm. so you sort of in many respects, not an outsider, but you're an observer to it. Mm. You, as a as a seller hand, I was I was an I was an observer, and in, you just kind of let it wash over you a little bit. You, you or let it soak in. So I didn't. I was, just, I was just lucky to be around some. I learned some good skills and some good ways of thinking about it. And what was Sally doing at that time? Um, she was doing a bit of work at Yarra Yarra, mm-hmm. and uh, we were having babies. Mm. <laughs> so, Somewhat occupied. Yeah, and um, she had a more important job. <laughs> so we, had, by that stage, we had two two children. Sure, and we weren't doing any wine of our own. Right, and D- had you started talking about eventually, kind of going down that path, and did you kind of like the idea of becoming a vigneron? Oh, that was without without question. I think that was always the. That's where it was always going. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that we were. I don't really remember speaking, speaking specifically about it, and there was no time frame put on it. But right. we, that was what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never been. I've never, never wanted to get boots in or boot, boots in too early. Sort of, you know. I've always been like, I'm not in any great screaming hurry. I really felt like we didn't understand the the, the seller craft. Sure, sure. At that stage? Sure. And the, which is what we were doing, was learning Zellercraft. Mm-hmm. And by just simply immersing yourself in wine. Sally also worked at the Bordelies during during the vintage period. Sure. Just doing the same stuff. driving sure that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> driving forklift around and rolling barrels around. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was at the end of the board. And then we when we split and went overseas. And So where, where did you go overseas? Uh, we, we went to France for 15 months. We... Yeah, threw it in and took the kids and. Um, Where'd you end up? We went to share. Oh, we went. We, there was no real firm plan apart from stay for two vintages. Uh-huh. That was the kind of plan, and yeah. which everyone said you couldn't do it. So we kind of went to hell with that. We'll do it. <laughs> you can't tell us what to do. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get any visas, so we just off we flew, and um, <laughs> and we spent the first three months in Champagne, and we did a bit of a cooks tour really. And we tended to, the kids were in school, mm. and so we tended to work a, like a, a, a school semester 
and I had a working holiday visa, so I could work for three months with a single employer. So we tended to do, and a school semester was three months, so we tended to do three months in a region. Wow. And then we kind of picked the next um, the next region based on, I don't know, really, I can't remember. We They might have to have grapevines there, and um, <laughs> and it couldn't be too expensive to live there. Yeah. So we ended, we ended up in Beaujolais. I think we always wanted to go to Beaujolais. Sally had always had a thing for Beaujolais. And, really? Uh, so we went, yeah. That was from, from long, from the very beginning, one of the first conversations I remember having with her. Far out, because cause even when I did eventually get introduced to the concept of Beaujolais, it was sort of like, oh yeah, Beaujolais Nouveau and pretty cheap and basic sort of wines. And, and then, well, firstly, I started to taste some of the wines, but then I actually went there and went, oh my God, this is totally not what I expected. No, it's a... George, George Deboeuf kind of pulled the wool over my eyes a little bit. Totally, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, half the area is, is Beaujolais. And then about a quarter is Beaujolais Village, and some of those ones are, are exceptional. Mm. And then after that, there's another ten appellations of yeah. Cru Beaujolais, yeah. which have got, all got distinct personalities. And so we went to Villiers Morgon in in Morgon, and we spent a month there in East in in, in the middle of winter East, at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And then we're off to and we spent some time in Provence, Cahors, further in the southwest of France as well. A month in Saturn, and then back to Beaujolais. Did you speak French? Uh, not particularly well. Was it an issue? Uh, yeah, I mean, we know. Was a, socially isolated in many respects. It was an issue. I could get work. I got quite good at a work spiel. So I'm looking for work. Uh-huh. Spiel. So I might have deceived a few people. Sure. When they employed me, I was like, you actually... His French is much worse than what we thought. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had that experience in 2012 when I was, you know, looking for work in Germany. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, oh, I can learn, I can learn, it's fine. And then I got into the cellars and I didn't really need to speak that much German anyway. You know, there, was, there were young guys working in the cellars who all had a reasonable amount of English from school. You know, whereas the, like the people who are sort of, I guess, my parents' age or a little bit younger than that, they didn't speak much English, but it wasn't really an issue. Yeah, well, I found it, in, in, it was a huge issue, language. It was a massive issue. We were out in the country all the time and not, not as many people spoke English, I found, as what I expected. No. And especially working, we, I did a lot of vineyard work and out in the vines, very few people. If you go into the touristy areas. Oh, yeah, you can, it's, it's all cool. Like you go to, you go to Bone. Cool. Or you, or you go to Saint-Emilion. Everyone know, speaks, in fact, it can like be kind of... Like a lot of people who work in the service industry have enough English that they can... They can get by. Absolutely. In, in, I found out that that first job in Champagne, that was a hard three months. That was very hard. Yeah. My English was, my, my French was terrible. Yeah. Um, and out in the vineyards, no one speaks English. No, okay. it was tough. Yeah. It was really tough. And uh, It reminds me, I need to work on my Italian for Sardinia in October. <laughs> yeah, do it. I, just, I, just been, <laughs> I was in Paris a few weeks ago for, and when I came home, I was pretty like, like got to get a second language properly mm. sorted out. Japanese doesn't really help me as much in terms of visiting wines. No, 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 absolutely not, especially in Sardinia. Yeah. And, uh, and eventually you came back to, to Australia? Came back. Back to the Yarra Valley? Back to the Yarra Valley, back home, and um, chance upon a winemaking job mm-hmm. at, um, at Sticks. I mean, I just, yeah, I needed a, I needed a job. We're coming back. We had no, no when, coin, no car. When was that? That was in 2008. Okay. Very end of 2008. And um, and you've only just sort of ended the uh, time at Sticks, so that was a fair amount of time you spent there. Yeah, yeah, seven, seven years. years. Yeah, seven years. Seven years I spent doing that job. So I was, I was very inexperienced in some respects. I was never, I'd never been exposed. To, I'd never been a winemaker. Because that was before. sort of when Sticks was 
started, wasn't it? Um, didn't didn't wasn't Yarra Ridge became Sticks or was it? Uh, there were two thousand and five. They took over that Five. Yarra Ridge. Yeah, that because it was just it was sort of just before I started working in in the Yarra Valley, which is in two thousand six. Yeah, and so. previously the wines had been made at Punt Road. Ah, right. So and and I think they were part of. I don't understand it entirely, but they were part of Punt Road, and then the. In 2005, the, the Yarrowridge Winery was bought, yeah, and Yarrowridge Winery and Vineyards were mm-hmm. bought, and by I suppose they must have separated around about that point mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so I arrived when they were very much settled up that that site. So I was actually back at the first winery I started at. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Same people too. It was odd. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um. And 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 when you came back and started back at Yarrowridge, what was the the role that you sort of stepped into? I started as a cellar hand on my first day, and on that first morning, the um, one assistant winemaker resigned, <laughs> and so by morning, t- my morning tea, I've been promoted to winemaker. So I was, and I got home from work. So how was your first day of work? It was I got promoted. It, it was good. <laughs> it went well. <laughs> Things are falling together. Right. Yeah. And 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 in, I guess in that still sort of early period of of sticks moving into Yarra Ridge, um, did they change much? Um, and and were they, was it still fairly similar to how things were when it was Yarra Ridge? Oh, no, it was enormously different, really. I mean, it was, for the start, there wasn't. I mean, Yarra Ridge was ultimately ended up as part of a big company, so it was a big corporate structure. Sure. And um, I guess about that time I left in 2000, it was, yeah, it was a big, it was part of, you've got the sense it was part of a big company. Mm. Um, no, Sticks is, was independent and um, it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, we did a lot of a lot of good stuff there, and um, I guess the winemaking changed enormously in that in that time I was there, and mm-hmm. um, that was it was it was good. Same crew, I had the same sense about it. We had a sense that it was an independent winery, though. When we were we were grapes came in, wine went out. We mm-hmm. were responsible mm-hmm. for ourselves and. I remember stocking the sticks once when I was working at King Godfrey, and I thought, these are great. These are good for the price. Jeez. Yeah, that was always the bang for your buck. The over-deliver. <laughs> the over-deliver concept. I think everyone should try and aim to do that. <laughs> but at, so, at so what point did you and Sally actually move towards what became Boba? Uh, almost immediately, but we got back in uh, we got back in late November, in November 2008 and stepped into a really, really hot summer. I guess in some respect we might have made wine straight away, mm-hmm. but we probably, from memory, we had a few things. You know, we came back with nothing. So we essentially waited one year. And in 2009 we had bushfires. And so I'm glad we weren't any which way. We were, um, you know, property was damaged. We damaged not badly, but, you know, it was a pretty heavy scene and I was doing my first vintage as a winemaker mm. in any in, in any capacity I was now working as a winemaker for the first time and um and in 2010 was our first we found we went out looking for a vineyard mm-hmm. that winter following winter in 2009 and we just had a concept of making a light bodied wine red wine and so I remember Sally talking about carbonic maceration when I first again, but again, Beaujolais. Very, very first <laughs> met her, <laughs> and we just spent all that time in Beaujolais and drinking beautiful crew Beaujolais, mm-hmm. and we were lovely and crunchy. Yep, 
and we went, look, what do you have to work with around here? Well, Gamay, but there's not many gam- no, There isn't much Gamay, and you're going to be picking of, uh, you'll be picking something because of a variety, and that's the wrong reason. Mm. What we need to do is find a good, a good vineyard and, mm. and, a, and an appropriate variety. So, and you've got to work with what you've got. And Chevy, Merlot, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, and Shiraz. We worked with, we decided upon Shiraz that was going to deliver us that crunchy and, you could make this very versatile variety, mm, and mm. you could go, and you could get it too. You, you could pick it based on a vineyard, and not. But you could simply matter finding the right vineyard. And so, so it was buying fruit. Yeah, in, yeah. And, and at what point did you start to plant vineyards? Uh, we planted a vineyard, so we're still making the Boba Sarah still comes from that same vineyard. Yeah. In Chernside Park. Yeah. Um, where we initially bought fruit and still buy fruit. Yeah. And we planted a vineyard in. Uh, 2004, I think it was, at home, mm-hmm. while I was working at the Borderlies, 2005, 2004, something like that, mm. and it's Cabernet Sauvignon, mm. and it's called, you, would, you saw the vineyard, it's yeah. a yard, northeast, big northeast slope, sitting out there looking at the sunshine, and, mm-hmm. uh, we, and we, we, we chose, look, I like those sort of classical Yarra Valley Cabernet styles. Uh, I decided upon Cabernet when I was about 18 years of age before I was, before I had any baggage, you know, <laughs> not like, you know, not weighed down by lots of opinion and, and other people's opinions and everything. So to keep things simple. Nice purity. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the decision pure. And we decided, if I chose Cabernet when I was 18, we'll, we'll stick with Cabernet now. And, uh, we put in Cabernet and it was not a great, that vineyard's not being great, a great advertisement for, uh, two viticulture degrees. <laughs> and and it was we got hit with it was the, the first spring after we planted it we got uh, two frosts and it was in a hellish drought. Seven would have knocked it around as well. Seven, yeah. So it was the first that we must have planted. That, in, that was a really bad frost. Yeah, yeah. The spring of '07, and so we must have planted it in the in the spring of '06, and um and then so when they were just sort of bud bursting for their first year there, you know after the. Mm. And they got smashed by really hardcore frost, mm. and it was super dry all those years. And then by the time the bushfire went through in '09, we ended up we had about half the vines left, mm. or even less. Mm. And, um, and so things were looking a bit scrappy. And then 18, 15 months of neglect while we were in France, <laughs> and uh, so it was really only probably three years ago that we really went right. Let's get serious here, and we filled in all the gaps. And, mm. So in, in terms of the, the, the Syrah still purchased, you you started to work with some Chardonnay as well? Yep. So in 11, we started making Chardonnay. Initially, it was off that same vineyard, but then we found uh, just a bit of a... wasn't really the sort of site we wanted. Didn't have the, the vineyard didn't have the field that we were after and, mm. uh, for Chardonnay. And we ended up at uh, a vineyard directly opposite Yarra Ridge, no. Vineyard, Steve Sadley's vineyard. Can you keep returning to it? <laughs> keep going back. And Steve was my first boss in a vineyard. And yeah. so Steve, the vineyard owner, yeah. Steve, Steve Sadlier, he's the farmer. And it's a lovely east-facing site. Mm. He's a great farmer. Mm. It's a vineyard. It had the perfect feel. It's one of those moments where you walk into something and you go, yep, this is it. Mm. This is the one. And uh, so that's where the Chardonnay comes from. In, in, so it's in Yarra Glen at the base of the Christmas Hills facing east. And and you have a, a quite a distinctly less is more approach in terms of the seller, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think most people would agree. Um, where where did you kind of did the two of you sort of stumble upon that that approach? You know, and and to not interfere uh, or to interfere as little as possible. 
I think stumbles kind of, in some ways, the right word. It was almost like stumbled the whole path. It always seemed right, like it, even from, again, going back to like a, a really early conversation I had with Sally, like back at university in bloody late 90s sometime, and kind of being, especially talk, when you're talking to the winemaking students, so we, were, we were doing viticulture, but we were sort of hanging, hanging out with the winemaking students and kind of being a little bit incredulous about the, particularly like adding of tannins. I remember there was a conversation about the tannins and there's simply yeah. sort of being told that you had to add it, you know, it was like, why, why? I understand It's not it. really a discussion that gets talked about very much. That's by winemakers. It's very boring. And, um... But, Everyone talks about like you know oak chips and and uh, you know and added acidity and sulfur and and stuff like lots that. lots of stuff that gets added and it's just because tannins of, is not really something that gets talked about. No, people often don't really think about it how 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 profound the changes are and also how it is really driven to this ironing out. I guess removing nuance and in some ways it was more the way we ended up making our wine has been an extension of I guess a general a general philosophy or general ideology of yeah. of how we live our life yeah and uh we grew garlic sort of micro commercially when i was working at the borderlies in those years and that was done the same way it was you just we planted garlic we dug the dirt made some beds and put some manure on fertilizer and 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 planted some garlic and grew some garlic and then you dig it up by hand and you clean it by hand and you sell it at a market and it was Mm. it's just a kind of a a simplicity it makes sense you know so in and i guess at around about the last years I worked at the Borderlies, the kind of, when we first became aware of, particularly in Beaujolais, we became aware of, of the, the Fabulous Four or whatever they call them, the, you know, Marcel Lapierre and mm. John Foyard, et cetera, mm-hmm. in, in Villa, in Morgon. Mm-hmm. And that was when it first, and I remember actually, uh. Ones that Alice Firing's obsessed with. Yeah. And I remember being told about them and then reading about them that night on the internet and going, God, yeah. It's mm. got a name. Mm. Someone's done it. I mm. didn't realise. It's this kind of general principle of surely, I mean, everyone talks about it. Everyone talks about vineyards, about, oh, you just got to grow the grapes and then it all makes itself. And then mm. it's like, well, I don't know, I'm working in a winery and it doesn't look like that to me. It looks like no one's trusting that to me. Mm. Like, so often we, you know, everyone craps on about the, the vineyards and then, and how you just, that's you, that's you, something you just, that I've always had an issue with is everyone's talking about, oh, what an amazing site. It's like, well, I don't really see it that much because you it, it, it must be a scary proposition for a lot of people to sort of, in their, in their mind, it's like losing control. So to step away and sort of allow it to express itself and not kind of get in the way of that um, using different techniques... Must be such a scary proposition. Too. Yeah, and having particularly if it's a commercial operation, you know, a larger sort of winery where, you know, you, you've got people to report to. Sort of like, well, that's just what we have to do. I think it's that kind of reporting to thing. People set parameters, and you got to. There's a. I guess there is a thing where people people don't even set parameters. They set parameters in their own mind, mm. and they feel like they stepping outside of that's just going to be freaky. But often not really thinking about what what adding the acid, like why you're doing it. And I guess nutting it out a little bit and going, well, if you weren't to do that, or well, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? And and so just just think about well, what, what what is acidity and why is it? Why are we worried about it? And mm. what would you do? What's a different way of managing it? What's a different way of going about getting there? I mean, often sort of the stuff comes for it doesn't come for free, but wine making craft it's 
tannins are there. They're, mm. they're in the stink skins, they're in the stalks, and you've got to think about the ones you want and, mm-hmm. and sort of leaves. There's so many crazy Capturing things. what nature is providing you already. Yeah, and kind of allowing it to happen, you know, mm. just sort of like, I'm in some ways, just sort of usher, ushering it through and getting it in a bottle before mm. it all goes bad, you know. Mm. Well, I know that um, the, the 2014 releases have certainly caused quite a stir here in Melbourne. Um, I, I remember, you, I think, when uh, when I visited back in January, it was the, the next day you were going to be bottling the 2014 Chardonnay, so we could try it from tank and it just blew my head off. But um, the one that's really got a lot of people's attention here in Melbourne is the 2014 Syrah, which for me, because we actually did try a couple of different vintages, is, is a, a bit of a departure. It's much lighter. Um, you know, in terms of colour, yeah. Uh, in in terms of um, weight, uh, it's a really different ex- expression of of Syrah from anywhere, really. Yeah, it's um, I don't really look. We've always made the wines the same way from the same vineyard. It's always been the same, exactly the same paddock of grapes that we've used, and it's always been the same the the same winemaking technique. Um, I guess in fourteen, I don't really know something went right. Like it, it almost, it, you do get you do you do change things, or you do get better at your craft as it goes along. Subtle, so subtle. The, the changes you make are subtle, and you don't even know you're doing it really. In some ways, you just get a little bit craftier at your craft. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and Sally is is sort of uh, got a really good affinity with vineyards, and she decided to pick the she she picked very quickly. Upon seeing the vineyard, there was there was never never any hesitation about about maybe it should be a few more days and mm. and I guess we we don't work with with adding acid we don't add acid and we'd probably gotten better at not adding acid so by simply managing that and one of those things was to don't hesitate at the picking like yeah. if you think it's right yeah. things move really fast in those final few days so yeah. if you think it's right to go like pick it now mm. like if you pick it in the next six hours if you can yeah, off they come and I think in the the condition of the grapes were really was really good in 14 we just kind of sold nailed it and it just held together in the fermenter as a, as a whole bunch a whole bunch of things held together and no juice came out mm. It was in some respects almost when we took the cover off it after a week. It was almost like we'd forgotten to make wine. It just made itself. Well, yeah, it still looked like the grapes we put in there. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was quite beautiful. And yeah. then, and then what we, I mean, what we do is very simple. And uh, I don't really have a firm explanation. There was not like a some big departure in technique. It was, sure. it was maybe a departure in style in some respects. Um, it did capture people's imagination. Well, certainly, yeah. In terms of, uh, I guess, the other. It's it's media. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but um, you know, people like obviously our friend Daniel Honan, um, the wine idealist. Yeah, he, yep. um, he's responded to the wines quite uh, quite profoundly, and uh, and I think he talked about um, Alice firing when she was here for rootstock up in Sydney last year, trying the Syrah uh, in in the tasting and being quite astonished that you know this is not a strange Shiraz. Uh, you know, and and having I can understand that having read both of her books, sort of why she would be so, you know, shocked at at, at this expression of uh, Shiraz, and maybe it's because she has that love of Beaujolais as well, or you know what she considers true Beaujolais. But um, at the moment, you're still just selling all the wines yourself, and are you exporting much? We've done little bits and pieces um, over the years. We've sent wine to the UK. We initially when when we first got cracking in 2010. A lot of the wine 
we ended up it was uh we we sent to uk mm. and uh more recently so 10 and 11 we sold into uk not all of it but certainly larger a larger amount of it yeah um than we have more recently we sent little bits of northern europe and a bit to hong kong we've done little bits of export but no we sell the wine ourselves most melbourne and sydney mm. all, all over australia really just into restaurants mostly and a few a few retailers and mm. tend to just... well, wines are available in small volumes <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but um but now that you've uh, left sticks i'm assuming that um you can focus all of your energies into into Bobar, and, and certainly um, that answers. I've got a couple of Twitter questions here. Uh, David Bicknell, um, I'm sure people would know who that is, um, asked why you know you, you left Sticks. Obviously, I think you've answered that. But he also asked, any more plans to play Michael Hutchinson future television or film? Um, I guess you probably need to look at a picture of Tom to to get that question. <laughs> It got, I think it caught his imagination one night when he was watching a telly movie on In Excess. Yeah, it was, that was like last year or the year Yeah, yeah, he sent me a message. He was like, well, what are you doing? When I saw that tweet, I was like, I didn't know Tom was an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was being serious. Um, and then Bob Coleman, a.k.a. Mountain Stirrer, asked, um, still making great bread? Uh, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's all right. Sometimes it's awful. <laughs> I bash around with bread, but I don't make it as often as I ought to, as, I, as I'd like to. But um, I think I think Bob remembers them. I did cook some bread when he came over for lunch, and he must remember it fondly. Mm. But um, thank you very much, obviously, for joining me uh, today. It's been fantastic. Uh, what's the best way for people to to follow Bo Bar and, and, and you and Sally? Um, we run a fairly light lightweight kind of a. Um, uh, you know what do you call it? communications structure? <laughs> so there's no website, but you can find us on the on all the all the social medias. Yeah. And uh, give us a buzz. The phone number's on the back label. Yeah. We always have to. Well, first you have to find a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> um, like this uh, this bottle. Like this bottle you've uh, brought. Oh, and it's coincidentally that's 2014 Yarra Valley Chardonnay that uh, I enjoyed so much. Um, when I visited, but um, on on Twitter it's Boba Wine, Boba Wine, yeah, and Facebook it's Boba Sarai. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. So you'll find them there, but um, definitely just get in touch. You know, I'm sure you can track track them down, and if you can track the wines down, they are definitely well worth a look. But uh, again, thank you very much, Tom, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks as always, guys, for listening to another episode of The Vincast. I have been James Scarcebrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino, and you can follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Intrepid Wino, and the podcast can be followed on Twitter at The Vincast. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Intrepid Wino. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube uh, on the Intrepid Wino channel. But um, you can find lots of, lots of stuff on my website, intrepidwino.com, including all the episodes of the podcast and lots of different writings that I've done in the past. Uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, however you want to um, share the podcast, you know, like it when you see a tweet, that kind of thing. Um, and if you can, leave me a review and a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. That would be fantastic. The question for this week, uh, the wino asks, is um, what's your favourite grape variety in Australia? I hope you enjoyed this episode uh, and let Tom and I know if you did. But until next time, bye. <laughs>